This week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, we have background noises of mopeds and traffic chaos. As this episode comes to you from Bangkok and Thailand, this week in the parish of Bourses and Market Structure, Ackman's Parish Boost, Aquas Powers Ahead, LSE Atrophies, and there's good results from IEX and JPX. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest, episode 230. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the Bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Over in BitCarnage, crypto lender Nexo is seeking $3 billion in damages from the government of Bulgaria over an aborted investigation. That's a lumpy first fight back to the crypto market structure week, as Yahoo Finance notes, Binance's case against testing the extent of SEC's power over crypto, while Mt. Gox confirms the addresses for BTC repayment plans. On Nexo, that's a staggering sum, more than 3.5% of Bulgarian GDP after a huge raid reported on January the 13th, 2023, in episode 2558 of Exchange Invest. Meanwhile, following on from the Trumpy one's remarks to the same end, presidential candidate, but from the Democratic side of the equation, albeit I think he's going to run as an independent, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. pledges to end U.S. efforts to move towards a CBDC at the same time as Coinbase has been passing the lucre around an election year and hey presto, they say, 18 US senators now stand with crypto, according to the Coinbase lobbying group. Not so much a sting in the tail, but something leaving behind a heady whiff, which I suppose might knock out the heady whiffs of durian on the streets of Thailand, amongst other remarkable flavours. At least for once, this is a whiff not of pure criminality in the world of crypto, but it is clearly a touch of hype. Decrypt goes inside the perfume DAO that's creating a scent of the metaverse. London-based fragrance house Rook Perfumes is shepherding an NFT-based DAO that's creating a scent for the digital world. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, you can find BitCarnage as a standalone on Substack. In the mainstream of the Parish of Exchanges, over at the Asian Financial Forum, Hong Kong Exchange's outgoing CEO Nicholas Agazan has been underscoring Hong Kong's super connector role. Noting that China and the rest of the world are massively underinvested 
in each other. Nicholas Agassiz is enjoying a barnstorming spell on his way out of HKEX, and it's good to see that unlike the tedious Western practice of shunting a retiring exec out to pasture ASAP, Hong Kong Exchange's group are showing their integrity and continuity, which will pay dividends as the next exciting phase of the group's development becomes much more apparent as this year goes on. Meanwhile, LME, the Hong Kong Exchange's subsidiary, are apparently targeting Hong Kong as an option for warehouse expansion. Probably no great surprise there, given the ownership structure of LME these days, and indeed the move would be a sensible one, emphasising the core point of contemporary Hong Kong as a gateway between East and West. Clearly there are issues, of course, not least of which is the cost of real estate in Hong Kong, but this is an interesting potential development. And a third exciting piece of news this week from Hong Kong, the HKMA, the Central Bank of Hong Kong, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority and the People's Bank of China have announced measures to deepen financial cooperation between Hong Kong and the mainland. From those win-wins in Hong Kong, we move to India. The National Stock Exchange marked a 2 million month. That was 2.1 million new account registrations in December, coming on the back of 1.4 million account registrations in November. Yes, 2.1 million clients added to the burgeoning Indian Stock Exchange in a single month vastly more than many other nations have in their entire investor pool. Sixth, the Swiss Exchange has apparently been running its slide rule over all funds, that's all funds, which was the subject of a putative bid from Euronext, which was abandoned in an early stage just over a year ago. Elsewhere, South Korea is considering shaming companies into boosting their company valuations. They're claiming that they will name and shame companies with poor corporate governance structures, seeking to replicate Japan's success in boosting stocks via corporate reforms. This, of course, comes from an arm of the same Korean government, which also bans short-selling. I wonder, is there any chance of extending the name and shame to the blob itself? In Thailand, from where we are actually recording this show today, in Bangkok, SET, the Stock Exchange of Thailand, have revealed a very exciting three-year strategic plan to raise confidence in the Thai capital market. Meanwhile, I'm looking forward to giving the keynote speech, which will have taken place just before you get the ability to listen to this podcast, as we're recording a day early, in order to facilitate my being the opening keynote for the 26th Annual AFM, Association of Futures Markets, that's the Emerging Exchange Market Association, conference which is being hosted by TFEX, the Thai Futures Exchange subsidiary of the Stock Exchange of Thailand. I'm looking forward to catching up with many readers during the course of the conference. Colombia is moving to fend off frontier status for its fading stock market. The government, pension funds, traders, the exchange itself and some of the country's largest companies are working on a plan to bring more liquidity and trading volume to the market after a JP Morgan Chase & Co report last year flagged that the MSCI could drop Colombia to frontier status. That's of course a headache for Colombia as a pivotal element in the new Nuamex exchange which has been uniting Colombia, Lima and Santiago. 
RIP Ovid guest, incidentally, last week was John Files on this topic. By the way, IP Ovid 129 Disruption and Growth with John Files can be found online at Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Just go and search IPO Vid. Finally, in the big news stories of the week, Germany's Chancellor Scholz is calling for the completion of the EU Capital Markets Union. Have to agree, even if it is more than a decade late. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or, if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. Over in Paris results, it was a busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily, the newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. Great numbers from Japan Exchange Group at the point when, of course, their stock market is within sight of managing to regain the all-time highs of the Nikkei Dow, last seen in 1989. Meanwhile, on the quarterly numbers, operating revenue at Japan Exchanges Group up 11.1%, net income up 32.4%. Over at the Indian Energy Exchange, not quite as spectacular, but still scintillating results, net income for the latest quarter up 20.34%. Good news also from the UK, at least one stock market's going places. Aquas, where insiders, it was recently announced, have been active buyers of their own stock. Well, it's not surprising given the results they just announced. Net revenue up 12%, profit before tax up 16%, as Aquas sits firmly on the green side of the ledger, having built itself up over the course of the last 10 years. Aquas show what a well-managed set of priorities can do to deliver a stock market as the London Stock Exchange itself is 25% smaller than a decade ago, according to a recent report from Bloomberg. The drift as a result of an obsession with M&A at group level in place of focusing on the core business of the London Stock Exchange has finally caught up with LSE Group, which remains broadly incapable of reform due its to its sclerosis masquerading as management. In new markets this week, a delay to the launch of the Ethiopia Stock Exchange. We mentioned this before. Ethiopia's new stock exchange seeking a rather frothy insta-unicorn valuation, reckoning it was worth more as a startup than any other exchange in Africa. In fact, it was worth more than most of the rest of the exchanges in Africa put together, despite, for example, the Johannesburg Stock Exchange having more than a century of history and considerable profitability to boot. No wonder the fundraising is delayed. The valuation is rather delusional for the Ethiopian Stock Exchange. And all those advising the government have been embarrassed, including some hapless UK quango. Over in Nepal, the government there is forming a committee to study the necessity of a second stock exchange. The very decision to have a government committee decide on competition and exchanges will not be lost on those who advocate for free markets. Deals news this week, very, very exciting. Secondary offering of ordinary shares by the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange. They're looking to develop their tech stack further. Massive confidence boost to TASE, which has changed inexorably since the investment by former ASX directors, hedge fund managers Shane Finemore and Russell Abood in 2018. 
a very, very high-profile boost for Tez, a very strong boost for the Israeli economy at a difficult time following the horrific Hamas terrorist attacks of October 7th last year. And, of course, the biggest boost of all, a core investor in this round, Mr. and Mrs. Bill Ackman, placed $25 million into the coffers of Tez for a 4.9% stake in a very successful fundraising round. If you're trying to understand, ladies and gentlemen, the dynamics of what's going on at the moment in markets and market structure, consider getting yourself a copy of my most recent book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World, published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Don't forget, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream, Tuesdays, 5 o'clock London, midday New York time. It's the IPO video live show. You can catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. Most recently we offered our part 2 2023 a review of the year show. Coming this week we've got From the Floor to the Future with the fascinating polyglot Brad Schiffer. Brad Schaefer is, of course, an accomplished author. Another great accomplished author is none other than Roger Lovenstein. His probably most famous book, it was certainly a national bestseller and an international bestseller, was When Genius Failed, The Rise and Fall of Long-Term Capital Management, capturing the gripping roller coaster ride of an epic fund entity. If you haven't got time to read the book, just remember PLY's contemporary recounting of the crisis. LTCM had impeccably perfect maths, Alas, the universe displayed slight flaws. Don't forget, if you want all the Bourse business news sent daily to your inbox, think about signing up to Exchange Invest. Our sub rates have just gone up. They're now $375 per annum. A mere bag of tails so that you can join the exchange of information and be amongst the markets, leaders and visionary managers who understand what's going on in the parish of exchanges. Meanwhile, if you want a free weekly edition, on a Saturday we have our bigger macro read, the EI Weekend. You can also sign up to that via exchangeinvest.com and indeed get a week's notice ahead of this podcast on what is our book of the week. Technology news this week, Vermiculous, the Swedish upstart startup vendor, they've delivered microservice-based very clear solutions to OCC, the Options Clearing Corporation, while BMLL's historical data sets are now available via the Snowflake marketplace. At the same time, Equiland had a rather traumatic week, coming days after they were taken over by a private equity firm. They were subject to a cyber attack and it took them several days to manage to get themselves reorganized. Regulation news this week, SEBI is allowing promoters to offer shares via stock exchange mechanisms to staff and the SEC in the USA have adopted new rules to enhance investor protections relating to SPACs, shell companies and projections. Career paths the OCC, the Options Clearing Corporation, they've appointed former Optiver executive Massimo Kutuli as Chief Financial Risk Officer-elect, who will succeed the current Chief Financial Risk Officer, Dale Michaels, upon his upcoming retirement. Over at FINMA, the Swiss regulator, they've got a new boss. The government has selected Stefan Walter, a German national who was Director General of the ECB for the last decade, to head the Swiss regulator, which has been embroiled in some degree of controversy since 
the UBS Credit Suisse merger and the shenanigans relating to that. Sad news on the crowdfunding front, Cedars have laid off 15.15% of their European workforce as they withdraw from Spain and Sweden. And finally in Career Path this week, Horacio Velatini is the new president of the Bolsa de Valores de Caracas. Speaking of something that may be rather Caracas but hails from Europe, it's 20 years on from the original euro currency launch. Worth remembering, it was a digital currency only for the first years of its life, without a blockchain, and yet it worked. Anyway, there were multiple things that we could say about in the 25th anniversary of the euro. The fascinating point about the euro, though, is that lots of people proclaim its magnificent ubiquity, but when we look at swift payments by country and currency in 2023, the data shows that the US is still way ahead with 47.08% of all payments. The euro, despite being the unified currency of at least 27 nations and a few other stragglers besides, weighs in at less than half this at 22.95%. True, that sounds rather encouraging that it's more than a fifth of the world's payments after 25 years, but think about it another way. The dear old Great British Pound comes in third in global payments at 7.15% usage for swift payments. Given the 20-plus nations of the Eurozone, which includes France, Germany, Italy and Spain, doesn't it seem a bit puny, even before we factor in the states and statelets that are also using the Euro like Kosovo? The Euro is only slightly more than 3x the amount of payments from the GBP, despite encompassing more than 20 countries. What's worse is... Analysis by the European Centre for International Political Economy, as reported in the Telegraph of the UK, has found that GDP per capita in 14 EU member states, collectively representing 89% of EU GDP, and all on the euro, they actually overall had lower levels of wealth than when the euro was launched. Pretty scary numbers to consider. France and Germany were as rich as the 36th and 31st states in the US in 2000. But 21 years later, French GDP per capita is lower than the 48th poorest state in the United States of America, Arkansas, while German GDP per capita had fallen to become no more prosperous than the 38th state of the United States, Oklahoma. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this Exchange Invest weekly podcast number 230. Join us daily via exchangeinvest.com or if you have a new exchange you'd like built, get in touch. My name is Patrick L. Young, Builder of Markets, and I wish you a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only.
The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.